This is week number eight in our 10-part, 10-week walk through the book of James. Uh, Faith bit, get your faith moving. How many of you are still wearing your wristband? Anybody? Show, Show me your wristband if you got it on. Yep, Marvelous Marv showed me his. Good going there. Today, Pastor James, and he was the pastor of most of these that have been scattered, is going to answer the why question. The why question. Why do followers of Jesus still struggle with our tongues? <laughs> why do our mouths and our words get out of control so often and cause great damage? James 3, 1-12. Why do people who love Christ continue to play favorites? We, we love Jesus, but we judge other people. We've never met them. And just by their appearance, we're making judgments and playing favorites. James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. Why do so many people who follow Jesus still make such foolish, poor choices? James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Why is it so common for people in churches just like ours who know a lot about Jesus, who know a lot about the Bible, why is it that so many of us, we know God's Word, but we're not putting it into practice in our daily lives? James 2, verses 14 to 25. Why are so many followers of Jesus confused and upset with the Lord when trials and trouble knock at our door? James chapter 1, verses 2 to 18. Today, this morning, James is going to get to the root of the problem. He's going to explain with clarity, and and honestly, he's going to be fairly blunt, why those of us who know Jesus personally, some of us have known Christ for years, and some of us have known Jesus for decade upon decade upon decade. Why do we still struggle so mightily to live successfully, victoriously, consistently for Jesus. Why do we struggle that way? Um, Would you stand with me, please, if you're able? Let's read out loud together the answer to the why. Why those of us who've said yes to Jesus, why we're still so prone to wander and stray. James 4, we'll start with verse 1. Would you join with me? Let's read God's Word together. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, 
and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Would you join with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for James, please remember, is still writing to his friends, his church family, who used to be with him in Jerusalem. Now they're scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I'd encourage you, look back at Acts chapter 8, and you'll see that following the stoning of Stephen, things got real bad for the early church, and they fled all over Judea and Samaria, escaping persecution. Now, as Saul, who we know as Paul, led the charge to really destroy the church. And it says, Acts chapter 8, he was going house to house, finding out who these awful followers of Jesus were and throwing them and dragging them into prison. Now in James chapter 4, James is instructing his scattered church family. Do you understand? And James is going to instruct us here in the church family in northern Michigan today. He's going to tell us What we just read, that our greatest battle as followers of King Jesus, it's not from atheists, it's not from secularists, it's not from politicians. Our greatest challenge in life is not even from Satan and his demons. Our greatest challenge in life, your greatest challenge in life, mine as well, is look at verse 1. It comes from your desires that battle within you. Our greatest challenge in life is what goes on inside of you, what goes on inside of me. The war that you and I must fight daily for the rest of our lives, after we say yes to Jesus, after we say yes to the cross, 
We've said yes to the empty tomb. Our greatest war, our daily battle, is with our old, selfish, sinful, pride-filled nature. Tracking with me? My, my greatest problem in life, your greatest problem in life, is sin and Satan and our bent from our old sinful self. Every one of us here, we got an old, scrappy, passionate way of wanting to do it the world's way, wanting to do it my way, wanting to do it according to what Satan and his demonic world are whispering at us. This side of heaven, we're all stuck with an old, selfish, sinful nature. I just want you to know, anybody who says, well, I've grown enough, and I'm mature enough, and I don't struggle anymore, uh, they're not just, they're just lying to themselves. They really, they're deceiving themselves. We all, according to James 4, 1 to 5, we all still have an old sin nature. And that's the reason why all of us still struggle with tongues and mouths that get out of control. That's why we all still battle prejudice. I, I don't like you because of the color of your skin. I don't like you because you're not speaking my language. I, I don't like you because you have more stuff than I do. I, I don't like you because you're different than I don't. I've never met you, but I don't like you. That's why we struggle with making poor decisions. We, we oftentimes, we just make awful, I know Jesus, but, but I, I choose earthly demonic wisdom. That's why we struggle when trials and pain knock at the door. What, what, what am I struggling? It's with my old sinful nature. We all struggle. I'm a hearer of God's Word. I know what it says. I'm just not a doer of God's Word. What's the problem? It comes from within. We still have an old, sinful, selfish nature. Now look at verse 1. He tells us about that old, sinful, proud nature. Verse 1, it likes to fight and quarrel. Verse 2, it's capable of killing and coveting if I don't get my way. If you have something and you're blocking me or I want what you have, I'm going to covet it, I'll knock you down, I'll even kill you in order to get it. Verse 2, instead of praying and asking the Lord to give me what I think I want, I grab it and I take it for myself. Verse 3, and when we do pray, he says, we ask for stuff to increase our selfish pleasures and pride. So you're praying, but it's all about Pride and pleasure and what you want and what you want to do with it. Verse 4, there's a part of us, our old sinful natures, that enjoys this fallen evil world more than relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, he's talking to church people here. He's talking to born-again followers of Jesus, and he says, you have a relationship with the world and you like that better there's a part of you that does more than koinonia with Christ. Verse 5, we have a Savior, his name is Jesus, who's jealous over when we choose this world over friendship with him. He's jealous over that. And he says this battle within is something that you feel and it, and it pulls at you. 
Turn with me in your Bible or on your phone, Romans chapter 7. I want want to show you because Paul describes it perfectly. Our old sinful natures yanking our chains, pulling us towards sin and pride and the bells and the whistles of this world. Verse 19, Romans chapter 7. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's that sin leaving in me, that old nature that does it. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. That's the other. I got this other side of me, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am, Paul says, who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death. Here's the answer. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. See that battle? (laughs) It's, it's pulling at us. In one corner, we have in the crimson trunks that have been washed white as snow, in the one corner, we have the new nature, our new life in Jesus Christ, and now we have the Holy Spirit that's taken up residence in our lives, and now the power that rose Jesus from the dead, Romans 6, 10 and 11, is now living inside of me. I wish that was the end. But in the other corner, we have the proud, pompous, scrappy-trunked fella, and that's the old, selfish, sinful flesh that yells and screams and demands that you do it my way. Hey, what about me? Do it, do it what I want. And, and that old nature pouts and shouts and wages war from within. Romans 7 says, we got this nature and it's pulling us. You you can feel the Jesus in you and you can at the same day be feeling the old sinful scrappy you pulling you another direction. That's the war that's raging within. Now track with me now. I like to think of it this way. We've got two dogs alive in our lives. Two dogs alive in you if you know Jesus. You've got the old, sinful, selfish, proud dog. We'll name him Flesh. And we have a new Jesus, Holy Spirit dog, and his name is Life. Okay? So you got Flesh and you got Life. Now here's the question, which dog are you going to listen to? Which dog is going to be in charge of your life at any given moment? Uh, Which dog determines what words come out of your mouth? Which dog determines your attitudes about your life, your behavior? And the answer, back to the text, James chapter 4, verse 6. He gives us answers. He really does. It says, but God gives more, what is it? We had a whole series on that this summer. Right? But God gives more grace. He's gracious even when I allow old sinful Jeff dog to be large and in charge. Aren't you glad about that? Even when we mess up and we listen to flesh dog, grace is still available. 
That's why it says God opposes the proud, but shows favor, gives grace to the humble. Now, let, me, let me try to define this for you. What is pride? Because he said God opposes the proud. That's a pretty key statement right there. Pride is, I got this. <laughs> I'm going to figure this one out on my own. I'll be fine. Uh, God will call out if I really get in trouble, but otherwise, take a break. I'm doing just fine. That's pride. Pride is, I'll do it my way, thank you very much. I don't need your help, God. I don't want your help. I'll pull myself up by my own shoelaces. Uh, when our attitude and our behavior says, I don't need you, Jesus. I think I got this one on my own. That thinking, that attitude is in opposition to God's plan. Do you understand? Look at verse 6. God opposes that thinking, that kind of behavior. Uh, when we behave as though we don't need Jesus and His Spirit and His Word, when I think I don't need your wisdom, Lord, and we don't invite Jesus to take charge, when we don't allow His Spirit to rule and reign, we're living and we're thinking like Satan and his army. Do you understand? God opposes that proud thinking. I'll be fine. I'm okay. I don't need any help. You want to live that way? The Lord says, that's how the other team speaks. That's how Satan's army marches. That's not my plan. Go back to the text. God opposes the proud, verse 6, but he shows favor. God gives grace to who? What's the answer to the... What's that? We don't use that word very often. Humble is an attitude of dependence on the Lord. Humble is Jesus, I need you today or I am deep, deep trouble. I, I need you desperately today, Jesus. I trust, I depend, I yield myself to you. Jesus, I surrender my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. I invite you, Jesus, to rule and reign and take charge. Humble. God gives grace. God brings his favor. And it says there later in verse 10, God lifts up the humble. And then he's going to break it down into seven pieces. And I guess I, I want to just say before we go through the seven actions about what humble looks like, what humble is, uh, the tendency for us right now is, is we're going to say, you know what, um, that's good, but I think I might daydream right now. I think I'm going to check out. I'm going to think about the lions. I'm going to think about snow. I'm going to think about how I'm going to snow plow. I, I'm going to think about I need new windshield wipers because they didn't do so good. I, I'm going to think about something else. Can I just say to you, give me your eyes, the key to victory is to learn to be humble. So I'm going to go quick. But I'm telling you, these seven are huge. It's the difference between victory and fruit and God's favor and God lifting you up and losing the battle and, and getting chewed on by the enemy, the lion, by living disastrously. And, and now, oh, I'm sad and I'm a follower of Jesus, but everything's going wrong. Do you understand? 
This is huge. Here's the seven actions that show us what humble looks like. You might even want to jot these down. Verse 7, here we go. Number one, first action that, that explains what humble is all about. Uh, submit yourself to God. That's a daily thing. Daily, some days, hourly, here I am again, Lord, giving myself to you once again. Romans 12.1, Paul says, I beseech ye therefore, brothers and sisters, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Same idea. Submit, present your bodies daily, some days, hourly to the Lord. Second, verse 7, resist the devil. Isn't that interesting? Resist, that, that's action. This is not a passive war we're fighting. If you just sit back and say, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting wounded, I'm getting hit, you're, you're just being passive. No, excuse me, a follower of Christ, we're called to do battle with Satan and his fiery darts and his temptations. You understand? You've got to take action. Uh, saying, no, thank you. The, this, this lustful activity keeps appearing in my life. I'm going to take strong action to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. Or every time I go to this place, I fall into the manure pit, I'm going to choose not to go to this place any longer. Or every time I'm with this friend, we wind up doing things that God's book calls sin, so therefore, maybe I need to step back and not be quite so friendly with friend. Do you understand? It's taking act. You have to resist. And I would, I would encourage you to consider with your mouth Take action, and in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, I command Satan to get out of this house, get out of this room, in Jesus' name, amen. I, I promise you, people will look at you like you're a little weird, but you know what? We are. We're followers. It's okay. We're followers. I'm going to resist, and that includes my mouth. Uh, third action, verse 8, come near to God. So come running into his throne room. One of my favorite verses, Hebrews 4, 16. We run to the throne of grace very reluctantly. Very, very, what does it say? We run to the throne of grace with what? Anybody know? It's confidence. Boldness. We get to run boldly, confidently, and we get to say, running near to the Lord, I, I've got a need right now, I need you. And it says He'll give us mercy and grace to help us in our times of need. Come near to King Jesus, what does He promise here? He'll come near to you. So if you'll move toward Him, He's already watching, He's ready. So as soon as you make the move toward Him, He's going to run and He's going to meet you. Number four. Verse 8, wash your hands, you, what is it? Oh, wow, James, so strong. Wash your hands, you sinners. Here's what you need to know. Jesus marked our accounts paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb. When we believed in Christ and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb, when we received Jesus as Savior and Lord, your account was marked paid in full. Now, 1 John 1, verse 8, tells us, Now, when I sin, 
The account's already marked paid in full, but now I write the check of confession, and I realize my hands are dirty, and I write the check of confession. I call it sin, and now it says he washes and cleanses our hands, our feet, our mouths, and we're back in right relationship with King Jesus. Make sense? Uh, Next one, number five, is related to that. Verse eight, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Your hands are sins that we commit on the outside, external sins. Uh, Right now, verse eight, purify your hearts, that sins where? On the inside, that's internal sins. Our attitudes, our motives, our sinful ideas, our thoughts on the inside that are dirty and filthy and need cleansing. Quite often, the only sins we really deal with are the public ones, and I got caught. James says, no, no, I I want you to go where it begins. All sin begins on the inside. Deal with the internal sins that need washing and cleansing. And here's, here's a little hint, and that will greatly reduce your outside sins if you deal with the inside first. Number six, action towards humble. Verse nine, grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughing to mourning, your joy to gloom. Can I first tell you what this is not saying? It's not saying that Christians are to be gloomy and never smile or laugh or enjoy life. (laughs) It's not saying that. Matter of fact, every good and perfect gift James chapter 1 tells us comes from where? Where do all the good gifts come? From the Lord above. So any good, enjoyable laughter that you have in your life, that comes from the Lord. Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine. Following Jesus is a life of joy and peace and love. Galatians 5.22. Followers of Jesus, we're not called to suck lemons, be sour, sad, dour. What an awful advertisement for Jesus. Don't you agree? So, so if we're, we're, no, I can't smile. No, 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 no. We have more reasons to smile. We have more reasons for joy. We have more reasons for hope than anybody else. So what an awful advertisement. However, what James is saying here, there's an even worse advertisement for King Jesus. When followers of Jesus live in the filth and the dirt and the mud and the manure of sin day after day after day, and we give the impression like sin is no big deal, what an awful advertisement we are for King Jesus. Do you understand? So humble is literally taking my sin seriously. So I don't, I don't walk around sour and dour, but when I'm in sin and I'm dragged away from Jesus and now I'm living in opposition to God, then I'm miserable because that is a big deal. Sin is a, my sin is a big deal. Mourning, being devastated by my sin is what humble's all about. Okay? Seventh attitude toward humble, and here's the summary. You ready? Verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord, kind of sums it all up, and he'll do what? He'll what? You're down, and the Lord says, I'm going to lift you up. 
Just stay in the attitude of humble. Interesting that over and over and over again in the New Testament, give me your eyes, this is huge, we're called to humble ourselves. Now, if you don't do it, the Lord will get involved. He's able to humble you. Okay? But we are challenged, we are ordered, we are commanded to humble ourselves. It's something that I maintain, you maintain in your daily life. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Matthew 23, 12. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Matthew 18, 4. Whoever humbles himself is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humble is something that we are challenged to maintain daily. Now, Pastor James, you're strong, you're blunt, he cares about his friends, they're scattered, clearly they've forgotten some of his teaching, Um, uh, they're out of town, they love Jesus, but key issues have started to break down. Key things that they should have remembered, they're, they're not doing it, their tongues were out of control doing damage. They were judging people they never met and playing favorites. They were making poor decisions and following demonic wisdom, not the wisdom of Christ. Uh, They knew a lot about Jesus in the Bible, but they weren't doers. They weren't practicing it. They were angry, confused, upset with God because trials and troubles were knocking at their door. So, question. Why, oh why, do we struggle so much? I know, I know Jesus, I'm a follower. Why do we miss the mark in so many areas of our lives? And the answer, go back to verses 1 to 5. Because <laughs> we're listening to the old selfish dog named Flesh, and we're not uh, listening and saying sickum to the new dog, the the life that's come into our life, Jesus and his spirit. And and these folks were thinking, I'm fine. I, I think I'm pretty good. I think I can handle this by myself. They resisted humble. They resisted submitting themselves to God. They resisted the devil. Uh, they resisted, excuse me, resisting the devil and his temptations. They they didn't want to do it God's way. They weren't grieving over their sin. They weren't taking sin seriously. They weren't humbling themselves daily so that God's favor and grace could lift them up. You did really good. So thanks for hanging with me. Seven things. Bang, 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 bang. But you did well. And now some of you are thinking, you know... uh, That's nice, that's good, I'm sure Pastor James never struggled, and I'm sure PJ, you got your act together, you've arrived, you don't struggle in this way, it's just our struggle. (laughs) So I share this story with you. (laughs) A couple weeks ago, uh, the leaders from Walloon and East Jordan and Northridge gathered in Bel Air for a leadership retreat. And uh, I came in and I was excited and uh, uh, I was filled up. I, the new dog, Jesus, I'd taken time and now I'm excited for the weekend. Denise and I arrive about 30 minutes before our first session. I said, hey, hon, just stay in the car. I'm going to run in. I'm going to get the key. I'll be back out quickly. 
So I, I dash up the stairs, and uh, now I look, and there's three people who are uh, checking people in, and there's one person ahead of me. Those three are busy. One ahead of me, um, I think I'll be out in a flash. This is, this is going to go nicely. Uh, five minutes or so, I'm up next, and the one in the middle looks at me and says, next. I step up. She says, um, I just need you to know I'm in training. Please be patient with me. Thinking, thanks, Lord. Patience exam right here, really? Okay, so for the next 10 minutes, she attempts to check me in. And she's calling out to the person on the left, on the right, what about this? How, where do I go? Where, where am I going to find this? Um, um, and, and after 10 minutes, okay, I was in line five, now 10, she says, you know what? I, I'm not able to check you in. I, I don't know how to do it. But here's my supervisor to my right She'll check you in. Could you, could you go get back in line? And by this time, there's like five people. So, so okay. So now she's asked me to go here, five. Um, okay. So, and now here's the problem. She already knew I was with the church group. I'd already announced I'm with the church group. So she knows who I am. And at this point, you come in full of Jesus, and suddenly now that old dog... Uh, fleshy Jeff is raging up, uh, and I'm biting my tongue. So I, I probably wait another 10, 15 minutes. So finally I'm up, uh, and i got to wait for the supervisor, okay, because that's who she told me I have to see. Uh, so I get up to the supervisor, and uh, I'm ticked. Okay, by this time I'm, I'm thinking, unfair, what about me? Why do all these people go first? And, and, I'm, and I'm putting on the fake smile, and I check up, and guess what she says first? Uh, welcome, Pastor Jeff. I'm glad you're here. Pastor Jeff. She knows who I am. So now I can't even tell her what I really think. So fake smile, fake smile, fake words, fake words. I, now, you've got to understand, I just had a great meal with my girlfriend, looking forward to a fun night, and it was a fun night. And now I'm having to, oh, Lord, help me. Help me not to say something harsh blunt, sarcastic, uh, help me not to make your son Jesus or his church look bad. My point is this, the battle within us is real, and it's daily, and it's challenging. And if you and I don't wake up each morning ready to rumble, ready to fight, who are we fighting? Our number one enemy is our old, selfish, sinful flesh, ready to resist, ready to do battle. If I don't daily humble myself, if you don't daily get yourself before Jesus, get clean, get surrendered, invite Jesus to take charge, invite His Spirit, streams of living water to flow, then tomorrow when we head to school, tomorrow when we head to work, when we head to mire, when we head out in the snow, in the rain, two things are going to happen. You ready? If we, if we aren't ready, we're going to make Jesus look bad. <laughs> That's a Jesus follower? <laughs> Second thing, we're going to be living in opposition to God. When I allow old Jeff to be in charge, I'm going to miss his grace, his favor, and I'm going to miss him lifting me up, even in the middle of trouble. Priority number one, my friends, my family, here it is. 
humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble, make that humble a daily priority, the essential. And you know what he'll do? He promises. He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. Let's pray as we close. Lord, uh, we acknowledge that far too often we are a poor advertisement for your son Jesus. We don't demonstrate the love, the grace, the kindness, the forgiveness that needs to be advertised. So I'm praying right now for me and for my friends here that in this week ahead, you'll help us to be ready for the fight. Help us to make time to confess and get clean. Lord, help us to make time to yield and surrender. Invite your Son and your Spirit to take charge. The fight's real. It comes on us quickly. Help us not be surprised. Help us, Lord, to be full of you and not full of old flesh. And Lord, if there are any here who don't know your son Jesus, they've never experienced the saving power of the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb, Lord, would you draw them to yourself even right now? Make them desperate and hungry and thirsty to know you as King and Savior and friend. We praise you for your word. It's practical, it's clear, it's honest, it's blunt. Help us now, Lord, to be doers of your book. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.